The Lords of Discipline Podcasting Group is proud to present to you the 2011 Golden Beppo Awards with your hosts, Matt Baum and Joe Patrick. And now, the 2011 Golden Beppo Awards. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Matt Baum, and it gives me great pleasure to welcome you to the first THN Golden Beppo Awards. Put your hands together for my co-host, Daisy Joe Patrick. Thank you. Thank you. You're too kind. Hey. On this very special show, we'll be looking back at all the comics that came out in 2011 and handing out the prestigious Golden Beppo Awards to our favorites. Oh, it's going to be a magic. The moment. categories and winners were chosen by us, but unlike other award shows, we'll be changing our minds right up to the moment we open the envelope and possibly fighting about our choices afterwards. Just for clarification, Joe and I will both be handing out separate awards, but they are all Golden Beppos. That's right. Just because you got one from Matt, it doesn't mean your award is any less valid than one from me. <laughs> That's sweet. I was going to say yours were less valid than mine. <laughs> of course, next week we will be returning to our normal format, talking about comics that came out this week and next week. But right now, before we get into the Golden Beppos, Joe, why don't we unveil the first THN Listener's Choice Award? That's right, you guys contacted us and you told us some of your favorites from 2009. It's true, and the field was wide and varied. (laughs) The Listener's Choice Award will be given to one writer, one artist, and one series that was chosen as the best by you, our faithful listeners. Thank you to all 4,000 of you for sending in your suggestions. (laughs) Absolutely. Here are some of your nominees. Some of the suggestions that were made. Garth Ennis... Bill Willingham, Kieran Gillen, good year for that guy. Kieran Gillen, definitely. Yeah. I don't know about Garth Ennis and Bill Willingham. Uh, Garth Ennis. Uh, <laughs> Always solid. Always solid. Absolutely. Brian Wood, who is making his return to mainstream comics this yes. week, actually. Yes. Mainstream, I guess, X-Men. <laughs> um, Ed Brubaker, of course. Daniel Corey, who is a name that not many might be familiar with. I'm he not writes Moriarty for oh, Image. Oh, Yes. Excellent choice. And Jason Aaron, of course, a big name at Marvel. But the only writer to get more than one single vote was Scott Snyder. We don't have to tell him that. <laughs> Listen, I just think I think it's good that it's a cleaning house with seven hundred votes. <laughs> well, I no, I I say that because I think it's good that there are so many different favorites out there. It's Fair just enough. a good year for comics. So the THN listeners choice writer. Scott, Scott Snyder. Snyder. Congratulations, Scott. Congratulations, sir. I hope you can use this on your resume and get a big pay raise. Next up is Listener's Choice of Favorite Artist of the Year. And again, the nominees were varied. We've got Chris Somney for his work on Captain America and Excellent Bucky. choice. Yeah. Dustin Weaver, who draws S.H.I.E.L.D. Also an excellent choice. Kev Walker from Thunderbolts. Sean Phillips. I didn't even think about it. Kev and Walker. Yes. Yeah. yeah, man, that guy's great. Anthony Dysidu. Diasidui? <laughs> Decidu? Decidui? <laughs> he draws Moriarty. Oh, okay. He draws Moriarty. <laughs> also very talented. J.H. Uh, Williams III, of course, who we will talk about a lot more tonight. Oh, yeah. You're going to hear that now. Uh, Kenneth Rockefort, who is a very talented artist. He's a fantastic artist. Unfortunately, he's drawing not a great book. <laughs> but it all boiled down to Jerome Pena. Artist of Uncanny X-Force. I think that's an excellent choice. As the listener's favorite. I think that's a fantastic choice. Absolutely. So the listener's choice award for best artist goes to 
Jerome Pena. If you're keeping track at home with your ballots, if you're betting, right. if, if you're, you're having a Golden Beppo Award party. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, for the listener's choice for best series, the nominees are Journey into Mystery. Excellent choice. Mm-hmm. Scalped. Also good. Avengers Academy, which I agree has been solid. Yeah, really solid. Uh, Fantastic Four. Very well. That's a tough one to be. <laughs> it's true. Uh, Lock and Key, which also. is a, a book that uh, deserves much wider recognition. Oh, yeah. Moriarty. There's definitely a theme here. Thank you, Kush. <laughs> Walking Dead, uh, a perennial favorite. Batwoman. But perhaps an upset. Not an upset, but a definite surprise. Sure. Listener's choice for best series of 2011 goes to Criminal, Last of the Innocent. I like it. By Ed Brubaker and Sean like Phillips. It. Although I might say best miniseries. But regardless. Well, you know. We... The listeners have spoken. Your, your listener's <laughs> choice for best series goes to Ed Brubaker's Criminal. Excellent work. Something guys. that will become very clear is that we split hairs for each award so that we could mention everything that oh, we yeah, loved. Oh, <laughs> yeah. We had a long, long discussion last night to which my wife finally said, can you stop fighting with your boyfriends with Rocky? <laughs> As always, we'll be taking your tweets during the show and reading them live. For Joe, the second time, for our <laughs> as first, always. For our first Twitter update of the first Golden Beppo Awards. Joe, what do we have? This tweet comes from our friend Eric, who is at Geeky White Guy on Twitter. Eric White, talented guy. Yes. Look Eric. him up. Hire him. Eric writes or tweets, hey, tell everyone about... Um, crap, I don't really have anything. Oh, tell them about this. And then he links to... His blog, The Sketch-A-Day Project. There you go. Uh, in which he is pledging to do, at, I would assume, one sketch per day for the entire year. There, I like it. Moving right along, now it's time for the moment you've all waited for. Two of the most well-informed, most important comic book pundits in the comic book world, Joe Patrick and myself. We'll be going through a whopping 24 categories, giving away the Golden Beppo Award for some of our favorite comics that came out this past year. Joe, why don't you introduce our first category? Our first category is for best trade paperback or reprint. Now, this was a separate category from best graphic novel. This is a collected edition we're talking about. Right. This is a, a work that exists in other form. Somehow, either on the internet or in single issues or what have you. I wrestled with this one a little bit because I recently picked up the Milk and Cheese hardcover from Evan Dorkin that Dark Horse put out. And it's it is a gorgeous. Good looking book. And I love it. But ultimately, I had to go with Parker the Martini edition from IDW because it is absolutely gorgeous. Darwin Cook's art only gets better the bigger it is. I struggled a bit as well. I had a list of nominees. Uh, Parker was on there. Uh, Batman, the Black Mirror hardcover, collecting Good Scott choice. Snyder's Detective Run. That was run. a really nice looking hardcover. Uh, Starman Omnibus, Volume 6, the end of that series, which as everyone knows is my favorite of all time, uh, came out in 2011. The Day Tripper trade came out yes. in January. Yes, it did. Uh, but for me, the award went to the Hark of Vagrant hardcover. Oh, wow. 
I did not see that coming. Yeah. Wow. Uh, which is a collection of Kate Beaton's comic strips that are primarily historical humor, I guess it would be a good way to describe you're just, them. You're just trying to sound smart now. Uh, listen, <laughs> if you're don't read, if you not reading Hark of Vagrant, it is run stuff. Yeah. to com. Really good stuff. Uh, because it's a beautiful, it's a great strip and it's a beautiful book and I'm so happy that it's in print. For me, it's an example of something that I would buy even though I can get it for free on the internet. Fair enough. And that's what makes it the best. Our second category, best original graphic novel. Joe, you went first last time, so I will tell you there was a short list for me because I didn't read a whole lot of original graphic novels this year. Most notably, Infinite Kung Fu, which I absolutely loved, but I have to give this one to Habibi, which I am reading right now. Absolutely blew me away. Why I keep forgetting Craig... Craig Thompson. <laughs> I keep forgetting Craig Thompson's name, who, who is a master. He wrote Blankets. This is his latest epic. I can't wait to review it for you guys on this uh, month's Take a Look. It's in a book. Joe, what was your choice? Uh, I had the same problem. I didn't read... Uh, the majority of the stuff I read in book form was reprint, or I discovered old things that didn't come out in 2011, like Aphrodisiac and Return of the Dapper Men. I have started Habibi, and I do love it, but I couldn't in good conscience give the award to Habibi because I'm only one chapter in. Fair enough. Uh, so, by default, <laughs> the Golden Beppo for Best Graphic Novel goes to Infinite Kung Fu. Excellent choice. Which is not to sell it short because it's amazing. It really was incredible, and we gave it a fantastic review on this show. Absolutely. Now let's move on to our portion of the show dealing with comic characters of 2011. First up, Best New Character. This is a character that first appeared within the pages of a comic in 2011. I think there's a very easy choice here. And I don't know if you went for it or not, but I went with Miles Morales, the new Ultimate Spider-Man. I did. From the new Ultimate Spider-Man, because I don't know that anyone made a bigger splash in the comics world this year than Miles Morales. I mean, whether it's Glenn Beck screaming about Michelle Obama making him black... Or people just freaking out that he's a 12-year-old kid. You the, know? Best, <laughs> the best villain in comics was probably Glenn Beck. Because anytime <laughs> there's like a political scene he or was a pundit scene, he's year. in there. Yeah, he really was. Uh, for me, there were a lot of choices. Uh, the new character Bruiser from Daredevil, who is like a... He's like the booster gold of supervillains. Yeah, I did like him. He's sponsored by different like Hydra yeah, He's and like AM. a NASCAR driver. Yeah. Um, Luther Strode is on there for me. Excellent William choice. Arcane. I like that, too. Uh, Moog Jugular, of course. Oh, we yeah. had tons of fun with him. But oh, yeah. f- for me, it had to go to Miles Morales. There was really no choice. Yeah. Um, yeah, the new your new Ultimate Spider-Man. And I just caught up on those like within the past two weeks. So in writing this, it was right there. Like, it oh, blew me away. So there you have it. It's unanimous. The Golden Beppo goes to Miles Morales of Ultimate Spider-Man, the best new character of 2011. Moving right along, let's talk about the best supporting character of 2011. Okay. This is one of my favorite categories because some of my favorite characters in the Marvel Universe are the supporting characters. It's Joe, true. who was your favorite supporting character of 2011? This is a friend, a loved one, an office mate, a sidekick. Who it's your- true. This category had a lot of strong contenders as well. Mira made a great showing in Brightest Day yeah. and in Aquaman. And she's a lot cooler than she's ever been. It's true. Uh, at the ever the ever present Volstag in Thor, uh, Vandal Savage. I'm talking about old Vandal Savage yeah. from Demon Knights, who is hilarious. He's fantastic. Uh, the new kind of butchy badass Abby Arcane. Mm-hmm. But I had to give it to Damian Wayne, uh, Robin. That's a great because choice because. 
For a, a quote-unquote supporting character, there's nobody's story that I'm more invested in. He continues in. to be one of the most interesting back characters out there. I had to go with Volstag because he's been so he's, well written. He's definitely the funniest supporting Every character. time he's on the page, Matt Fraction has just nailed him. He's been one of my he's been one of my favorite Thor characters for a long time, but Fraction got a hold of him and got he's just been great. My Golden Beppo goes to Volstag. As always in comics, heroes and villains die and heroes and villains return, and this year was no exception. Next up, the Golden Beppo for Best Death. Ooh, Matt. and there was there were some good ones this year. You know, I I thought about Bucky for a little bit because I kind of discounted Fear Itself. Bucky didn't die. Effectively, Bucky died. We saw it on the page. I'm saying if you effectively died and then later on returned or were fine, it still counts. Uh-huh. But Bucky's death was pretty good. Where he turns the Black Widow and he's, and the Falcon and he's like, do you guys really think we were going to get old and retire one day? Come on, let's go! And just gets killed after that. It was really good. I threw Bucky's death completely out the window uh, because Fear Itself, everything that happened in Fear Itself was contradicted before Fear Itself was over. Yeah, and like Thor's death was really wasted there and everything. But the best death. Hands down, and I don't think it's even a contest. Maybe a little bit of a contest, but I'm giving it's it not a contest. Ultimate Peter Parker. Man. Ultimate Peter Parker. I got teary eyed. My uh, that was, and I read it completely out of context, and then I caught up and read it in context and tweeted about it. I read it on New Year's Eve. I wanted the final comic book that I read of the new year being Ultimate Spider Man One Sixty. Pardon me, of last year being Ultimate Spider Man One Sixty. What a great death scene. It's true. Wow. And like you said, there were a lot of great deaths. Johnny Storm, of course. Yes. Had a like a huge heroic guns blazing. Hellboy send-off. had Hellboy. one of the best deaths I've ever seen. Mogo. Mogo died. died. That's right. Died big. <laughs> he did die uh, big. And of course, I'm counting Warren Worthington as a death. Interesting. Yeah. Because. Interesting. Uh, and I mean, I'll give it to you. Yeah. I totally am really getting into spoiler territory here, but I counted it. Um, but nothing hit me harder than the death of Ultimate Peter Parker. And even the follow-up, Ultimate Fallout, yeah. which was really a stupid cash grab. Why but it was, it was good. a separate miniseries. It was good. That first issue with the funeral of Peter Parker, where the little girl with the burnt face stops Aunt May and yes. says, Are you Peter are you Spider-Man's mommy? Ugh. And she says, No. <laughs> she says, No, I'm I'm not his mommy. And then the girl goes, but you made him breakfast like you were his mommy, right? <laughs> I had to put the comic down. I'm getting a little misty right now. I love it. Peter Parker, man. What a send-off. And of course, you can't have a good superhero death without a good superhero return. Yeah. It happens every year, constantly. But this year, there was one return that stuck out for me, and it was so well executed and that is the return of Johnny Storm absolutely in the pages of Fantastic Four 600 it was jaw dropping I loved it and it was just perfectly executed my golden Beppo goes to the return of Johnny Storm absolutely Fantastic Four 600 was just so full of wonderful moments but seeing the return of Johnny and having it be Spider-Man that is the one that first sees him it was perfectly perfectly executed Johnny Storm Showing up as king of the negative zone. Yeah, with a nihilist, with on, a nihilist a on a chain. Now, honorable mention goes to the return of Swamp Thing, which, if you remember back it to previous episodes, knocked us down. Yes. At the time, we were like, oh, Swamp Thing, it's the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then Fantastic Four 600 came out, and that was it. Yeah, pulled the rug right on. And I'm a huge Swamp Thing dork. Moving right along, we can't have good superheroes without a great villain. Joe Patrick, 
who was your best villain of 2011? A lot of great villains this year. See, I thought it was kind of a rough year for villains. Oh, not me. I, I Maybe it was kind of a rough year for some of my favorite villains. Like, Doctor Doom's kind well, of been sure. a good guy. Magneto's it, a good guy. It was a, it was a good year for new villains. And that is it, what I... The, that pool is... Ex- my pool is exclusively new villains. Really? Excepting, uh, you know, Archangel is on my list. Okay. You know, he hasn't always been evil. Um, it's but true. you've got The Rot... In Swamp Thing and Animal Man, The Rot slash William Arcane. I like it. Uh, Cade Kilgore, leader of the new Hellfire Club, yes. 10-year-old boy that is totally homicidal. Definitely a lot of fun. Uh, the librarian from The Strange Talent of Luther Strode, who is a terrifying, terrifying yes. uh, bald man with a, a nice beard and sweet suspenders that I is would, totally ending people. I would throw the guy with the sharpened teeth from Severed yeah. in there because he's horrifying. It's true. It's true. But for me, it all came down to uh, the Court of Owls and their enforcer, the Talon. Great choice. In uh, Scott Snyder's Batman. A little fresh, but a great choice. Hey, they're all fresh. My best villain, and I really thought about this one because I really enjoyed the Red Skull miniseries that came out this year that sort of showed us the young life of the Red Skull. Sure. And part of me wanted to throw him in there, but at the end of the day, I had to go with Kieran Gillen's Juggernaut from the Uncanny X-Men Fear Itself storyline, the possessed Juggernaut with huh. the hammer. I loved him. I lo- he just like marched to Utopia to kill everyone, and they couldn't do anything to stop him. And Cyclops threw out like... 26 different plans. <laughs> that was pretty cool. He was fantastic. I loved seeing him like that. It was a lot of fun. New take on the Juggernaut, who now doesn't have his power. Psych- yeah, Colossus I don't know. Colossus is running around. I really don't know what's going on with the Juggernaut post I don't either. Itself. Yeah, we're yet to see, but yeah. I really enjoyed the Possessed Juggernaut this year. Well, you can't have a good villain without a good hero. That's right. And this is a tough one because there's this knee-jerk reaction that happens, well, who's my favorite hero? And I had to say, no, let's dial it down. Who was the best? It's not about who is my favorite. It's about who had the best year. And for me, uh, this was another uh, chock full category. Yeah. Um, I I gave a nod to uh, Miles Morales in Mm -hmm. Ultimate Spider-Man. Daredevil, who you will also hear a lot more about this episode. Uh, Grant Morrison's Superman. Very important distinction. Yes. The Superman from Action Comics. Not the same guy. Uh, Atomic Robo, who I always have a blast reading. Oh, sure. Uh, but for me, it's this year, 2011, was all about Batman. I agree. Batman gets yeah, my golden bepo. Before relaunch and after relaunch. Absolutely. Was still really solid. Part of me wanted to go with Hellboy because I lost like a character that was so close to me this year. I got to go with Daredevil. Mark Wade's Daredevil. Yeah. And I will valid. say, I am lying a little bit. I'm cheating a little bit because Daredevil probably is my favorite Marvel character. Well, it's okay if he's also your favorite. It's just so good to see him being done the way he's being done. Matt Murdock is happy again. And I love sort it. Sort of. <laughs> sort of. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great choice. Now it's time to move into some of our title-based awards, starting with the best new series of 2011. This was a series that could have started last month, if you would like. My best new series. This was tough for me because there's some that I really liked, and I think it might surprise you. I, Vampire, kept jumping out at me. I love that book. It is really well done, and it's a book that totally surprised me. Rachel Rising, that's another one that I really wanted to get behind, but we really have only had like three or four issues of it, and it's still coming in. I like it, but I need to see where it's going more. If I've got to pick one, I think it's Animal Man. 
Jeff Lemire's Animal Man. Animal Man was on my short list. Travel Foreman and Jeff Lemire in this book, are they're doing something that looks unlike and reads unlike anything else out there. I give my golden Beppo to Animal Man. Animal Man was on my short list. Uh, Luther Strode is on there. Wolverine and the X-Men, which yeah. listeners know that I've really enjoyed these first three issues. Batwoman is on there. Batwoman's a great choice. Uh, but, and... You can call me a cheater if you want, but it's starring a brand new character and a brand new storyline. I'm giving best new series to Ultimate Comics Spider-Man. That's that I don't starring Miles Morales. Nothing wrong with that. That's an excellent choice. I like it. That's yeah. an excellent it's, choice. It's 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 such a breath of fresh air and it's everything right about Brian Michael Bendis minus all of the bullshit. Moving along to our best retro title. This is a comic book featuring a character from the Golden Age or before that's been brought back and either modernized or they're just telling a classical tale. Joe? Uh, I struggled with this one a lot because the majority of the quote-unquote retro series that are out there, I don't like. I just flat out don't like them. Uh, Your Project Superpowers... Th- that nature and most of them are published by dynamite a lot of them are and i just don't think they're of high quality we are getting a great one in flash gordon zeitgeist which unfortunately only launched one issue in 2011 right uh and the new peanuts book which i counted as a retro series That's because fair. it's new sure. stories uh of charlie brown and the gang but hands down it had to go to rocketeer adventures i'm right there with you idw's rocketeer We didn't do a best anthology book yet, (laughs) but it should win that, too. Well, and if you had not created this category, I would have strongly considered Rocketeer Adventures for best limited series. Yeah, it's been just amazing. But with the talent they put on that book, it's been absolutely Darwin Cook, Kurt Busiek, Gene Ha. Yeah, and the list goes on It was just unbelievable. It it is an amazing book. It's out now in hardcover. Uh, track it down. It's well worth your dollars. Let's talk about your reward for the best title that you are not reading out there. This is, these are books that we think need more attention, books that could use a little boost in sales that really are excellent. Yes. Uh, for me, this list has a lot of things that are near and dear to my heart. Rachel Rising's on that list. Absolutely. Sales on that book do not appear to be very high. They are bad. Uh, and I understand the metric is different for series like this, but... Uh, Stuff of Legend, which is a book I adore. Another excellent one. And uh, The Strange Talent of Luther Strode. I want everybody to be reading that book because I want these creators to be able to move on and continue with their work. The Shade at DC. Everybody knows how much I love that book. And the Golden Beppo goes, too. But. (laughs) We're going to play you off stage in a second here, buddy. (laughs) Listen. It's the journey, Matt Bomb. It's the journey. The winner of the Golden Bebel for the best book you're not reading for me is Atomic Robo. Excellent choice. Uh, it's a series of miniseries put out by Red 5 Comics. It is at times hilarious, compelling. Heartwarming. Heartwarming. Yeah. It's beautifully drawn, and it's one of the best written books on the stands uh, by Brian Clevenger and Scott Wegner. It's a great series, Atomic Robo. Matt. I'm, I'm going with Image's Strange Talent of Luther Strode because it is one of it was a top contender for best new series for me as well. Narrowly beat out by Animal Man just because of how amazing that book is. But everybody should be reading The Strange Talent of Luther Strode. Shame on you if you're not. As has become the Norman Comics, 2011 was littered with crossovers and events. I can't imagine a summer without a crossover. It's true. And now it, uh, almost everything is a crossover. Always. <laughs> so, the next Golden Beppo goes to the best crossover slash event of 2011. Matt, what the, do you got? This was a rough year for crossovers. It really was. There was a lot of stuff I was excited about that kind of let me down. When I first wrote this, I sat down 
and I and I listed them all out, and I went, Fear Itself, eh, not so much. And I thought for a moment there, you know what? I really did like the end of Flashpoint. There were some really cool things that happened in there, but I can't give it to Flashpoint. I think if one crossover event comic was done right, I'm giving it to Spider Island. Spider Island was so much fun. I loved Spider and Island. out of it came some great miniseries, too. That Cloak and Dagger miniseries was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. I even liked the Spider Girl miniseries, and I've never cared about her. Spider Island, uh, I, <laughs> Spider Island, I Spider Symbol New York, which I know is, they meant I Heart New York, right? Uh, was really a great one shot, and also Spider Island: The Avengers was hilarious. Yeah, it was fantastic, hilarious. Dan Slott nailed this one. One of the best Spidey events, one of the best events I've read in a long time. Period. Spider Island was up there for me as well. I considered Flashpoint. I did not consider Fear itself. Yeah, it didn't um, really didn't hit me. We way. had X Men Schism, which I enjoyed, Meh. but the ending kind of left me a little cold. War of the Green Lanterns War was the also Green Lanterns was on my list. Something that I enjoyed. Uh, but for me, and this might be kind of a curveball, I'm giving it to Avengers: The Children's Crusade. Even though it's not finished, what if it? What if it finishes really badly? What if you hate it? <laughs> See, this is why I couldn't do it because I loved Avengers: The Children's Crusade, but I wouldn't give it to it unless it finished this year. That was one. Of, but I didn't tell you that. Yeah, I mean, if and, you want to, whatever. No, yeah, I, and I recognize that uh, Avengers: The Children's Crusade only put out, I think, four issues. If they have this year, it's been crawling out. I'll tell you that much. But every issue that came out was. Amazing. It really Every was. issue. The best I can say for most of these other events is that it was good, but... Yeah. Dot, dot, dot. So, Avengers of the Children's Crusade, that said, if it ends on a dour note, color me... Get, <laughs> <laughs> look at the egg on my face. <laughs> yeah, because I don't think we can go back and pull back the Golden Beppo Awards. Peel it from their cold, dead fingers. It's true. Right? That, that Heinberg, he's a biter. Moving on to this year's best limited series. There was a million of these to choose from. Not all of them were great, but there was some real standouts this year. For me, I instantly had an answer for this one, and it was the three-part Flashpoint Batman Night of Vengeance series by Brian Azzarello <laughs> and Eduardo Rizzo. Thank you, Eduardo Rizzo. I couldn't say his name. The second issue, with the reveal in the second issue, was so good mm-hmm. that it still gives me chills thinking about it. This was a fantastic miniseries, and it totally made up for the piece of crap Brian Azzarello bat story we got before this. <laughs> From the early 2000s. <laughs> Joe, who, who gets your Golden Beppo for Best Limited Series? Flashpoint. Uh, Batman Night of Vengeance leapt to the forefront of my thoughts immediately, but I discounted it because the third issue, it had this kind of shoehorned element in where they felt the need to tie it a little closer to Flashpoint. I liked it. <laughs> and I didn't need it. I thought, give me this story. Tell me the story of Thomas Wayne as Batman and let it stand on its own. I did not need those Flashpoint elements. So I, I, gave, I went in a different direction. Okay. Witch Doctor, which we both loved. Loved it. Uh, Hellboy the Fury, which I'm totally surprised you did not give it to Hellboy I the Fury. I was going to, but you'll hear about that again later. Of course, The Shade... Which, I love it. Still coming out. Could take a sour turn. For me, best limited series of the year, hands down, The Strange Talent of Luther Strode. You know what? I guess I didn't consider it a limited series. It's a six-issue limited series. Yeah, I guess it is. It is, isn't it? I guess I didn't consider it. I was thinking best new series. And I think maybe it's six-issue limited series because you want to see how it sells. But, you know. Hey, you know... If uh, if something's strong enough to get uh, multiple awards in multiple categories, then more power to them. Fair enough. Next up is the Golden Bevel for Most Improved, which 
in hindsight, sounds like kind of it might be kind of insulting. No, I mean, you know, and this was an award that could go to anything. This is an award yeah. we decided could go to, you know, a writer that really came into his own or an artist that blew up or a character that had a great year or yeah. a title. For me, though, it was a, a list of series that I considered. I had some weird, like, struggles with, with all the relaunches this year. Right. What counts as new series? What counts as continuing series? Sure. And my bottom line was, if it's not a complete reboot... Or starring a new character or whatever, then I don't count it as a new series. Which is why I'm saying Daredevil is on my list of most improved. The Flash, which has taken such an upturn from the Jeff Johns crossover heavy issues of last year. Um, Green Lantern, uh, this Sinestro story is really compelling. Even The Haunt, even though it's two issues into Joe Casey's run. It has definitely improved. It's so much more interesting than the 18 that came before it. But for me, most improved is Secret Avengers. Really? Has seen a, a series of phenomenal one-shot issues by Warren Ellis and a rotating cast of artists. Interesting. Secret Avengers is a book that had kind of a weak start and an excellent second arc with Shang-Chi, and then it got mired down in crossover yeah. stuff, Fear Itself, you know, one-shot issues, and then Warren Ellis came in and breathed a breath of fresh air into this series. That last issue that came out, the Black Widow issue, yes. where she's time-traveling the whole time and nobody knows it, Amazing. Blew me away. Alex Malieve art. I'm giving it to Secret Avengers. It's a good choice. I'm giving mine to a character, and really it's behind, I guess, the two guys that made the character what she is now. I'm giving most improved to Wonder Woman, because what Brian Azzarello and Cliff Chang have done with this character, they have made her more interesting and more poignant to the DCU. She's become DC's Hellboy. She defends humanity from the horrible things that the gods are trying to do to them. And this book is just fantastic. I've never cared about Wonder Woman more. She gets my golden Beppo for most improved. Our next category is the best team book of 2011. This encompasses any superhero team, detective team. I mean, it could be a duo even. Joe, who was your favorite team book? This one had some stiff competition. Uh, A lot of great team books out this year. Uh, The new Wolverine and the X-Men I love. uh, I counted Fantastic Four. Oh, yeah. FF. And Fantastic Four kind of occupy the same space for me this year. Uh, I'm counting Batman Incorporated as a team book, and I really loved that title. It was fantastic, yeah. Uh, BPRD never disappoints. That was right up there on my list. But... Very high on my list. Head and shoulders above everyone else on this list. Untouchable as a team book. Uncanny X-Force from Marvel. Yeah, I, I agree. Right up there. But... I would say it is my number two next to Jonathan Hickman's Fantastic Four. Oh, the well, Fantastic Four has enough. been wonderful, and I love what he's done with the family and bring it, like breaking them apart and bringing them back together, and they're stronger than ever. Oh man, love Hickman's Fantastic Four. There you go. Moving right along, team books are great, but sometimes one man's got to get the job done. Let's talk about this or year. lady. What? <laughs> Pardon me, or woman. All of mine are men. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about this year's. Best solo book. Again, it was tough. We've got Daredevil this year. We've got... Oh, no. Wonder Woman. I I included a lady. Hey. Uh, Action Comics, The this new kind of origin for Superman, yeah. has been really great. Peter Parker's last several issues oh, man. in Ultimate Spider-Man. The, the lead up to the death storyline... Even, like, just issues with them sitting around in the diner talking. Yeah. I I couldn't put it down. But, above all else, and this is kind of a cheat because I'm counting a lot of things under one umbrella, 
But for me, the best solo book of 2011 goes to Scott Snyder's Batman. And for me, that includes all of his Batman work. Sure. No, I mean, you can go back to his detective before the Because everything builds on what came before. Yeah, and it was amazing so stuff. you've got Detective, you've got Gates of Gotham, and, and now Batman proper. Yeah. And it's just been a whirlwind year, and nothing has been more compelling for a solo character for me than Scott Snyder's Batman. You know, I thought about Batman a little bit, but I discounted it because we're only really four issues in, and I didn't really think about, you know, keeping throwing his detective on the heap, and that really good stuff mm-hmm. uh greg ruckus punisher is way up there for me too that's I a great book. that book but there was no choice here i have to go with mark wade's daredevil it is just like tone perfect i love it i put this book down and i'm smiling it's true paola rivera's art absolutely beautiful love what they've done with daredevil it's i good agree to have him back i agree and yeah it was a hard decision don't get me wrong Our next category is award for the dirty, dirty business of comics, and we had to split it between two different awards. We're doing a best major publisher, which will be between Marvel and DC, because they don't exactly operate on the same level as everyone else, and then the best indie publisher, which is everyone else. So let's start with our best major publisher. There were two choices here, Joe Patrick, Marvel versus DC. For me, what it boiled down to was... Who had the most consistent, most exciting, most uh, groundbreaking books throughout the year? Marvel had a lot of good books. They really did. A lot of good single books, even got a a lot of good uh, runs and storylines, but... It also had kind of a rough year in terms of like their crossover wasn't very good. You know, it just had a lot of misses as well as hits. And also, they didn't really do a whole lot in terms of like revitalizing interest in a lot of different things but on the other hand dc completely reworked their entire line yeah they have made books that i wouldn't have bet would be high sellers in a million years and they're the top books on the charts swamp thing animal man Uh, you've got high high top tier talent on great books and you've got a lot of misses there too sure but in terms of what they've done and the kind of momentum they have going forward, even though it was only in the last half of 2011, I think they're going into 2012 with so much excitement that I got to give it to DC. That's fair. I, I kind of did what you did. I sat down and I looked at a list of the books and I kind of ticked off, you know, next to them, like, love this book, love this book, don't so much care for this one. I just had to sit back and say, who really got me? Because there's almost equal amounts on both sides that I love. There's creators on both sides that I really love. This year, I've got to give to DC as well. And I'm giving it to DC for what is essentially the ballsiest move we have ever seen Absolutely. in the business of comics. Absolutely. And it paid off. It worked. Say what you will about the relaunch. It paid off. And I'm interested I'm, in stuff I thought yeah, I'd never care about. The bottom line is that I'm reading... Yeah, exactly. I'm reading books voodoo. Right. Why am I reading voodoo? Well, you won't be for long. Well, you know. <laughs> but... Uh, Ron Mars is leaving. Animal Man, uh, like of all things, why is Animal Man such right. a hit? I uh, just can't I Vampire, believe it. Another book that just totally shocked me. You know, oh, I mean, uh, J.T. Kroll's Captain Adam. Yeah, huge surprise. And I mean, that's just when it came down to it. And this is not to discount anything Marvel did. Marvel had a great year. I mean, for there was the love of God, Daredevil. Love. Yeah, I mean, you know, and like I said, Fantastic Four and Punisher. I mean, it's a Thor, hard decision. The Mighty Thor is might be better than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. I love the book, you know, but. Ultimately, I got to give it to DC. Same here. 
Next up is our best indie publisher. This is all the other guys who are actually fighting the real fight without major money behind <laughs> well, it. Well, and really, to be fair, I don't think Image is fighting on the same level playing field as, say, Red 5 Comics. Well, but that's true. We but can't split hairs too much. They're also not owned by Disney. It's true. It's true. <laughs> or Warner Brothers. Uh, now, for, for me, the struggle with picking a best indie publisher is that a lot of the smallest publishers have one or two books that I love. Right. And then a larger line that I ignore. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got a, a publisher like Third World Studios, which puts out Stuff of Legend. I'm not even 100% sure that they have other books. They do. I'm sure they do. They I just do. don't pay attention. You don't uh, Red 5 Comics, the only thing to me worth looking at at Red 5 Comics is Atomic Robo. Yeah, I tried Though some of the I've other stuff. I've heard good things about some of their other books. I just don't care. It didn't do a lot for me. I've tried some of the other ones. It didn't do a lot for me. Dark Horse, of course. You've got Hellboy. But... Uh, and even their licensed stuff, like uh, Buffy and, and Angel and Faith, it's great books. Wonderful stuff. Boom, another great book, uh, another great uh, company, putting out a lot of great and uh, diverse minis. Yeah. Boom, does, you know, Boom's Planet of the Apes is fantastic. What they've done with Hellraiser has been just amazing stuff. They're not afraid to put anything out. It's true. And they were right up there for me. Now, and there's also companies like IDW who do good work. Oh, let's not forget about Irredeemable. And, I mean... Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Back to Boom. <laughs> I mean, wow. Yeah. But, you know, with IDW, almost everything they put out is a licensed book. A lot and of licensed And so properties. it's hard for me to see their own identity at see, play but I will say that they do such a great job with their licensed stuff. No, absolutely. Staying true to it and, I mean, keeping the pitch and the tone that they were right up there for me, too, because a lot of people can't do that. That is arguably more difficult than letting guys play in their own sandbox. It's true. But at the end of the year, I had to look at which company put out the most consistent books, the largest number of titles that I just can't do without, and that is, hands down, Image Comics. I'm right there with you. I mean, between Luther Strode, Blue Estate, I mean... I mean, you've got Invincible and The Walking Dead. Invincible, Walking Dead, Green Wake was fantastic. You've got uh, I mean, new, great new things like uh, Pigs. The list just goes on and on. And Image, it, I mean, they do a really good job picking their stories, picking the creators, and they back them up. They really do. And the thing is, is that I can see Boom Studios becoming another Image. Absolutely. It's what they're doing. It's just that Image has refined it to an art. And I think Robert Kirkman is an excellent choice to be steering that ship, and he's doing fantastic work with that company. Absolutely. Best indie publisher of the year, Image Comics. And more, much more than this, I did it my way. Joe Patrick, Twitter update! Our next Twitter update comes from Tweet. We agreed our next tweet. (laughs) I don't know words. Our next tweet comes from at Evil Stevie, Evil underscore Stevie. We know Evil Stevie. Big fan of the show. Yeah. Customer at Legend. Good guy. Steve. This one's pretty uh, pretty heavy. Oh, Steve boy. wants to know, what is our feelings on Marvel supporting uh, SOPA? Okay. SOPA, for those that don't know, is the Stop Online Piracy Act, which is currently making the rounds in Congress and whatnot. Great question, Steve. Stay tuned for next week's news when we will be addressing this. You have directly influenced the direction of next week's show, Steve. Excellent work, sir. It's just a little too big of a discussion to go into right now. But thanks for the tweet, Stevie. And now it's time to move on to the big ones, our creator awards. We wouldn't have comics without the creators behind them. Let's start with the best colorist. 
coloring has become an art in itself, and it has been for a long time, but it's really only in recent years that I've really started to notice the difference between something colored by Dave Stewart right. and something colored by Betty Brightweiser and something colored by Dean White. Right. And there are a lot of really, really talented guys and gals out there doing these books, but for me, Dean White adds the most to every book he touches. He, when Dean White colors a book... He really does. He takes an artist... Like, we talked about it, actually, uh, when we reviewed Uncanny X-Force 18. Billy Tan is an artist I'm not super fond of. When Dean White colored Billy Tan, yeah. I went, ooh. It looked really sexy. This is pretty. Dean White takes art and enhances it. Like, it becomes greater than the sum of its parts. And so, for me... The Golden Beppo goes to Dean White. And I agree with you. Dean White's an, a, an excellent choice. I guess when I thought of colorist, I went with a workhorse. I picture someone, consistency. That's what I look for. Yeah. Like, this was colored by this guy. There it is. And he's nailing it again. And I've got to give it to Dave Stewart. It's true. Every, like, you know when you're looking at a Magnola book he has, because he has of Dave Stewart. He carved out a corner of the Dark Horse universe that is his. And it everything he does there looks gorgeous, and it looks like it belongs in that Hellboy universe. They've created this whole look for their books that just nothing else looks like it, and it's absolutely him. It's not just the art, because you can see when he's not coloring some of the books, not that they're worse, but they are different. It's true. I agree. I agree. Let's move on to our best cover artist for 2011, Joe Patrick. Great year for covers, man. Every year is a great year for covers. It's true. I had, it's this true. took me forever. I had a list of like 15 names. Well, I narrowed it down. Here are my top five names, not counting the winner because it's a dramatic pause. You got J.H. Williams III doing just crazy work on Batwoman covers. Ryan Sook, who is uh, doing covers f at the moment for DC Universe Presents, those amazing Dead Man yeah. uh, images. God, those are great. Adam Hughes whose Batgirl covers are beautiful. Absolutely. And they go way beyond like his usual like cheesecake. They're just really good-looking covers. Yeah. Francesco Francavia, who does He's been those knocking them dead. faux movie poster-style yeah. covers. I mean, gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous work by all of these. But I have to give it... This artist, my best cover artist, when I looked at the, the first cover that I recognized from him... I looked at it and went, oh, that's really something. And it goes to Paolo Rivera. The cover to Daredevil number one, when I looked at the cover, I, when I saw the cover to Daredevil number one on this tiny inter yeah. uh, internet screen, I was like, oh, well, that's cool. It's okay. And then I saw it enlarged. It was amazing. And everything in that cover except for Daredevil is made out and of words. Yeah, it's amazing. And then I saw a video of him drawing and it. And the billy club is covering his eyes. It's just know? all... Ugh. It's so much... And this is a, a little bit of a peek ahead. Don't forget his amazing Spider-Man covers, too, that yeah. came out this year, because they were equally amazing. It's true. And if you look ahead to some of the Daredevil covers that he's got coming up, they look like woodcuts. Like, I mean, it's completely, completely gorgeous design work and beautiful draftsmanship Paolo Rivera gets my vote hands down if I was giving an award for best cover this year I would give it to Paolo Rivera for Daredevil number one but I wanted to look at someone who's done a bunch of covers that I you know that just always looks great 
Tim Bradstreet was right on my list for the stuff he's done yeah, with Hellraiser. Everything Tim Bradstreet draws looks the same. Oh, I love Tim Bradstreet. Shame on you. David Aja's work on the Red Skull, the kind of propaganda posters that he did for those just oh, yeah, gorgeous. blew me away. But ultimately, when it comes down to it, I just don't think anyone does a cover like J.H. Williams III. His covers of Batwoman are haunting and beautiful. The guy works in watercolors, in pencil, anything. I think he draws with chalk sometimes. Anything you want this guy to do. No one's doing better cover work, in my opinion. As a way to have our cake and eat it, too, just like with most of the awards this episode, we have singled out those artists that have also taken their turn at the keyboard as writers. The next award goes to Best Writer Slash Artist of 2011, Matt. Tony Daniel has done such an amazing (laughs) job with Detective Comics. And all I've done is talk about I'm kidding. You know, at first, there was a lot of old standbys that I wanted to go to, but I went to one who jumped out of me that I did not know was a writer-artist until he took over the book. I'm giving this to Francis Manipal That's for his great work choice, on The Flash, man. because the art, his art has evolved into such an amazing style, and that the way he's writing the book is excellent. I was terrified for this one. Now, to be fair, it's co-written. It is co-written. Uh, Brian Bucoletto is his co-writer. Yes, no. Bucciolato. We've been over this. (laughs) Bucciolato. And for me, uh, this is also a book that's co-written. Let me back up. I bent over backwards to try to find a way to give this award to Darwin Cook. (laughs) So did I. But Darwin Cook wins everything. To be perfectly honest, the dude's output in 2011 was not exactly high. Yeah, he didn't do much. Uh, I think at at most he did like a short prelude to the next Hunter book in the Martini edition. Right. And I just couldn't give it to him. But Craig Thompson for Habibi. Yeah. Jeff Lemire. Who Jeff Lemire was on my shortlist for Sweet Tooth. I was already enjoying Sweet Tooth, but when he came over to Animal Man, his I could see that his writing chops were really something. Uh, Francis Manipal was on my list, but for me, the most pleasant surprise was J.H. Williams III. Yeah. I wanted you know to what? give J.H. Williams the third an award that, so badly. He's writing that book, too. I forgot. And uh, I'm this, still sticking with Francis Manipal. It's, no, absolutely. I'm glad we're able to award both of these guys. Right. Um, this is another instance where J.H. Williams III does work with a co-writer, W. Hayden Blackman. <laughs> Blackman. There's no other way to say it. <laughs> yeah. But just the just the discovery that J.H. Williams III can put out a series, and not only is it one of the most beautiful books on the stands, but it is also one of the most legitimately compelling, yeah. well-written, dramatic Haunting, books on the stands. Stuff. Which is not something you see a lot with somebody that's a writer and an artist. And really different in tone and pitch for a bat book as well. It's like, true. It stands out on its own. It's Great true. Great choice. Excellent choice. We are down to our final four awards, and these are the big ones, folks. Obviously, the Creator Awards are important, but you could not have good comics without good writers. Joe Patrick, who is your best writer of 2000? I really struggled with this. I did, too. Like, a lot. I did, too. To have to pick one is unfair. Uh, Jeff Lemire knocking it out with Animal Man. Yeah. I just can't believe. And Sweet Tooth. Yes. Uh, Jonathan Hickman, who who gets enough praise, you he, know. Yeah. I mean, we all know the guy's amazing. Uh, on my short list is Justin Jordan, writer of The Strange Talent, Great Luther choice. Strode. Great choice. Because for a first-time comic writer, at least as far as I know, 
I can't believe the book is as good as it is. I you know, can't believe it. I'm a jerk, and I couldn't go with any of the real new guys. I, I'm acting like the Oscars here and be like, well, they'll have their chance later. Yeah, you that's know? elitist. <laughs> can't help it. Can't help it. Uh, Mark Wade, who I think might be my favorite comic writer of all time overall. Uh, probably. Has had Easily an astonishing year uh, bringing Daredevil back to the forefront. Don't forget his boom titles. And yeah, his boom titles are great. I, I don't give the boom titles a lot of love because I'm way behind. Okay. Uh, but... No writer has done more to entertain me in the year of 2011 than Scott Snyder. I'm right there with you. I, that's exactly who I picked. And I looked at, and honestly, like... Oh, Rick Remender. It was really hard for me As not well. to throw Matt Fraction's name in there, because I started looking at bodies of work. How many books are they writing? What are they putting out? How much stuff have they done? Scott Snyder, this year alone, his American Vampire, his Severed, his Batman, they are all... Swamp Thing. His Swamp Thing. Wonderful. They are top-notch, excellent books. Hickman's name was right up there for me. Like I said, Fraction for his work on Iron Man and Thor, also right up there for me. And I just had to say, well, who's doing the most good stuff right now? It's Scott Snyder. I'm really proud of us for not mentioning Grant Morrison, Jeff Johns, No mention of the big names, right? No mention of them. A great story will elevate bad art. Yes. But bad art will tank a perfect story. Always. The artist is the goaltender of the comic book. At the end of the day, everyone will go look and say, well, the goalie let three goals in, so I guess he lost the game. It's true. This is where it counts. That's not to say that the artist is necessarily the most important member of the team, but... But he's the most important member of the team. (laughs) A lot of guys stepped up in 2011, and... Guys like Ivan Rice, who oh. has been consistently good for a number of years now. Marcos Martin, who has done fill-ins on Spider-Man, or at least, not fill-ins, but rotating arcs on Spider-Man. Right. And Daredevil. Good God, Daredevil. Duncan Fagredo yes. on Hellboy. Yes. How can you be good enough to make me not miss Mike Mignola on yeah, Hellboy? I mean, really. And not to mention that you you get to draw the story where Hellboy dies. Yeah. I, you know, like, Mignola didn't think maybe he should pick that one up. It's true. <laughs> it's true. Uh, and Chris Burnham at DC, a yeah. rising star whose book, whose work improves every time I see it. But in 2011, there is one name on everyone's lips, mine included, and that name is Jerome Pena. Me too. That's who I picked. I went with Jerome High Pena. five! Look at this. Yeah. We're not going to fight at all. No, I mean, if there's one guy that is doing something that doesn't look like anyone else. I mean, like, he has... It's true. Really. And we said it when we reviewed the books, but Uncanny X-Force doesn't look like any X-Book I've ever seen. It looks new and fresh and scary and awesome. I love the guy. Um, J.H. Williams was on my short list again. Oh, totally. Ivan Rice was there. But I, you know, and I feel bad for Ivan Rice. He's a talented guy, but I just kind of see him as a workhorse. And Patrick Gleason, again, has been amazing on Batman and Robin. It's true. But I've got to get it to Jerome Pena. The guy is just unstoppable. I've loved him since his Moon Knight. As as bad as this sounds, I kind of can't wait for him to leave Uncanny X-Force because I am so fascinated at the idea of what he will do next. Yeah. I'm fascinated by his work. Coming up, the awards for best single issue and best series. But first, let's take a Twitter update. A Twitter update. Our next tweet comes from our pal Lagosi 6 Yeah, we know him. Who says, I think Avatar Press has been knocking it out of the park lately. Glad to see a crossed ongoing. Your thoughts. You're a sicko. 
obviously you have terrible parents, Legosi. <laughs> no, I. You know what? I we I made Joe Patrick read across comic book this past year, and, and I am him psychopath. still upset about that. It. Was a great series. I really enjoyed it, and I will say, Avatar. They know what they do. They do what they do well for their fans. I don't care for everything that comes out of there, but there is some really solid stuff going on there. I understand why people like it. Uh, I see the appeal. I can understand the craft, but unfortunately, I'm sorry to say, most of their stuff is not for me. You don't, you don't love boobs and gore? And boobs turned into gore? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I'm just not a fan. And uh, like I said, I can see the appeal. It's just, it's just not my cup of tea, unfortunately. Thanks for that tweet, Lugosi. Sorry you're such a bad person. <laughs> Sorry you're disgusting. But now, it's time for the big one. The best single issue of 2011. Joe Patrick, after much hemming and hawing, where did you end up? Let me break down this list to you, because there were so many good single issues in 2011 that narrowing it down even to six contenders was nigh impossible. You've got not only Fantastic Four 587... Which was great. Which was the death of Johnny. Really good. But you've got Fantastic Four 600... Which was also Which great. was the return of Johnny. Yes. You've got the Jimmy Olsen one-shot... Yeah. ...which we raved about at the beginning Nick of the Spencer year. just Even though that it one was, out of the park. It was a book that was $8 that was mostly reprint, and I did not care. Yeah, it was great. I didn't care. Walking Dead 83... Which I will yet. not spoil because I have learned my lesson. But those of you that read that series will be able to look and know what I'm talking about. Daredevil number one, you oh. would think, would oh. be my top of the list. But for best single issue reading experience in 2011, I'm giving it to Detective Comics Volume 1, number 874. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. This is the now famous issue in which Commissioner Gordon spends an entire issue talking in a diner with his crazy son, James Jr. And the whole time, you are wondering if he has murdered somebody and stuffed their head in the toilet. (laughs) And he's like, oh, I'm just kidding. I'm joking. And meanwhile, water starts to pour from underneath the door crack. That book... That was Francesco Francovia drawing. Francesco Francovia. I was riveted from start to finish. Yeah, that was an amazing storyline. It really was. Now... In thinking of this, there was one book that jumped out instantly, and I could not fight it. I knew this was it. And like you said, I went down the same list. Hellboy the Fury, number three. Yeah, man. The death of Hellboy. Absolutely. We reviewed this as quite possibly the perfect comic book, and I still stand by that. It is quite possibly the perfect comic book. The art, the story, the color, everything. I had to give this one to Hellboy the Fury, number three. Congratulations on your Golden Beppo, boys. (laughs) <laughs> Unfortunately, where, where in good health. Mike McDonald and Duncan Fredredo couldn't be here to accept their award, but accepting it in their case is my dog, Beeps. <laughs> <laughs> and now, listeners, it's time for the grand finale. Our pick for best series overall. It's been a heck of a ride so far. This is great. Limited series have come and gone. Yeah. Good single issues, best crossovers. This is separate from all of that. We're talking about the series that we look forward to most every month and that has been the most consistently excellent for every issue they've put out this year. Now for me, of course, Scott Snyder's Batman is at the top of the list. Uncanny X-Force is a book we enjoyed more than almost anything else. The new Ultimate Spider-Man, dear God, I can't believe it's as good as it is. Lock and Key 
which is a book I'm still not reading that it. I think everyone should be reading, <laughs> I, including me. I have to, and I can't put that series down. It does not come out fast enough, which is why it's not getting the award. <laughs> For me, the best overall series of 2011, even though creator awards may have gone to other creators, artist awards have gone to other artists. For me, the best series of 2011 goes to Mark Wade's Daredevil. That's an excellent choice. And it was really hard for me not to pick that one. It was really hard for me not to pick that one. And I had to do the same as you. I handed out a bunch of awards here to a bunch of different books, and now I'm going to pick this one. And there is nothing that I get more excited for, month in and month out, than Jonathan Hickman's Fantastic Four. And that's fair, man. And someone asked me the other day, should I be reading the Fantastic Four? And I did some soul-searching before I said it. I'll be real honest. I'm a huge FF fan and have been for a long time. These are the best Fantastic Four stories I've ever read. Hands down, the best Fantastic Four stories I've ever read. I've got to give this to Jonathan Hickman's Fantastic Four. And I think that's totally fair. And the only reason I don't hold that book in higher regard is that it can be a little impenetrable sometimes. I see, but I kind of feel like it should be. It's Fantastic Four. (laughs) It's a sci-fi book. Come on. Well, that is it. Those are our best books, best creators, best writers, best artists of 2011. Thank you all for participating, for giving us your picks, and for following us on this whirlwind journey. We started this almost one year ago. That's right. Today. That's right. Well, we're a couple weeks shy of our one-year anniversary. I'm going to real quick here. And uh, it has been a great year. You guys have been wonderful, and you've led us to much... Eh, spiritual and uh, <laughs> spiritual and emotional well-being if not financial success yeah boy the financial success <laughs> let me tell you there's one thing that I, <laughs> I can count on it's that two-headed <laughs> nerd money rolling in hey thanks to everybody that's sending your suggestions for the listener's choice award this is something we're hopefully going to do every year you'll notice we didn't call it the first annual Golden Beppo Awards because that doesn't make any sense. Except I did call it the first annual Golden Beppo Awards. Well, that doesn't make any sense, jackass. <laughs> it should be the second annual. There's the first and then the second annual. Whatever. <laughs> we can't wait to do this again next year. And like we said, our first birthday is coming up real quick here. We want to know what you thought about all of our choices over at our Facebook page. Next week, we return to form. We'll be reviewing comics from both this week and next week. You'll send us your questions for Ask a Nerd. And you know what? It's been a while since anyone has challenged my boy DJ over here with some trivia. Listen, start the new year off right. Come on. Let me defeat you in Come comics on. trivia. Send us some trivia, guys. Can't you see how cocky I am? Thanks again to everybody who helped out. And before we get on our horse and march out of the Ziggurat Studios to the red carpet Golden Beppo Award parties later on. There's a lot of metaphors all over Omaha. On our horse? Yeah, remember Billy Crystal got on the horse at the end of the Oscars? We want to send a huge shout out to all the creators, all the readers, and all the comics that came out in 2011. We would not have anything to bitch, complain, or love. If it wasn't for you guys. Absolutely. Huge shout out to everybody. It's been such an amazing year for comics. It's It was really hard to make these picks. So word, thank you. Word to comics, y'all. And until next week, this is the Two-Headed Nerd signing off from the first Golden Beppo Awards of 2011. First annual.